help those in need. Love Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Salvation. Hello, Winston. How are you? Hi, Andrew. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm fine. Thank you. Right, right. And in good voice, uh, how have you been reacting to COVID-19? Um, like most people, trying to stay safe and healthy. And, and, and we, have been, we have managed to do that. Right, 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 indeed. Uh, are you still staying very much in touch with the cricket, Winston? Yeah, um, I watch it on TV. I visit certain cricket grounds during the season within reason because you know this is by changing circumstances so one has to be wise as well as enjoy oneself so yeah mm-hmm. and are you in constant contact with your family back in St. Vincent and the Grenadines? Yeah, yeah my family back out there and I have family in England as well so yeah we keep in touch and a family over in the United States and Canada. Mm-hmm. I, I no doubt looking forward to the West Indies team. Uh, my understanding is that the side is going to be uh, that squad in England uh, come Monday. Looking forward to seeing the West Indies guys? I am a little bit disappointed at the conditions under which they're going to be playing. But I, I understand the reasoning. But I, I was hoping that at least they might have been able to get some spectators in the ground. Mm-hmm. Yes. So so do, do you think the circumstances that they're going to be going in will more or less devalue the cricket? I, I wouldn't say it can devalue the cricket. I just think that, you know, you when you have spectators, you know, people come to the games, mm-hmm. it adds to the atmosphere. and Sometimes it gives you a spark. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does indeed. Uh, so, so you you do in fact support the West Indies team uh, going to England because there's some former cricketers who got their doubts. You support the side going to England? Uh, of course. Uh, look, we we got to make over some time. Let me put it this way: I'm for one. I don't believe. All the information they are giving about is what I call an evil disease. An evil disease? Why do you say that? Yeah. Well, it, it has nothing good about it to recommend it. So <laughs> yeah, that's if true. it's not good, it's evil. So. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, <laughs> there's about 7 billion people on the planet. And, you know, they, they all are dying from this evil disease. So... Life's got to go on in some sort of form, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I see. Dr. Ford, any questions for Winston? Mm, uh, good. good evening, Mr. Davis. It's great to hear you. Hi, Dr. You're Ford. A very strong voice, and, and you're, you sound as though you're in, you're in great spirit. Uh, well, praise. How are things, my brother, yeah, praise how are things going for you living in the UK as compared to being back in the West Indies? Well, since the accident happened in 97, and then I was flown to the United States where 
most of the major work was done to repair my body. And then I came across to the UK to finish my rehab and been living here ever since. Um, there are pluses and minus, but it's far better for me health-wise to be living here in the United Kingdom um, as a consequence of the accident, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess better facilities and and the healthcare system that's a bit more robust than and in the Caribbean and and you know being able to to make you live up to your full potential.
members who were there that I can go up in the tree and bring down a branch that was hanging low. And after a while, I went up and was chopping the branch and expect the branch to fall to the ground. Another brother from the church came up and we were going at it. And my recollection is I was chopping the branch and I remember hearing the branch begin to break. And we expect it to fall to the ground and everybody happy with But unknown to us, the branch was entangled with another branch above our head. It's, um, when the one we were cutting broke and fell to the ground, it ripped another branch from above out of the trunk of the tree and brought that crashing down on the back of my head. And that drove me to the ground. And from that instant, I was paralyzed. And it's something as freakish like that. You, you you just couldn't imagine something like that. Okay. So um, the guys came and they uh, started to, I couldn't move and they rushed me to the hospital. And then I think about a week later, I was air ambulance up to the United States where I spent five months receiving treatment at the St. Mary Trauma Center in West Palm Beach. And after five months, I was flown over to England to finish my rehab up at the Robert Jones and Agnesant Orthopedic Hospital up in Goboini. And I spent another 10 months there. So in all total, I was in hospital for 15 months oh, before being discharged time. back into the community. Mm. Uh, and who are the who are the individuals you'd like to thank for for making it possible for you to get all that medical care for 15 months? Because we know it wouldn't have been mm-hmm. an inexpensive uh, undertaking to get that type of care. Boy, you're quite right. To be up to today, I I mean I don't. A lot of things have not been told to me. I know the West Indies Cricket Board made some input. I know people in St. Vincent, um, they formed the Winston Davis Fund and they contributed. Um, family and friends, um, the United States of America, even, well, I say even, the medical staff. I mean, some of those folks have even probably heard about cricket. And I, I receive excellent treatment so all in all you know but you know above all dr ford my greatest thanks goes to my creator with all the help people gave to me without his help i wouldn't have been here talking to you today so i thank everybody you know with a whole heart for everything they've done but i have to be reminded and remind myself that without God, the Creator, we, we, I wouldn't be here. So. Mm-hmm. And of course, Vincent, this would have changed your life dramatically. I mean, this is a sad story. It, you know, it has. But, you know, Andrew, look, everybody, one thing I've come to appreciate, everybody in life has something they are dealing with. 
it may not be as radical as, as I have, but uh, you've you got two choices in life. You could either be negative or positive. And I have to say that while living this life, while being, you know, paralyzed from the neck down and used in a wheelchair, relying on living care, all the things that go with having a paralyzed body, I still enjoy my life. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah, there are days when it's hard, mm -hmm. but I've, I've been blessed with some wonderful carers, and that's probably half of the battle. How good carers make your life a lot easier. They, they're there to help you do the things you would normally have done for yourself, but you can't and you need help. And once you're willing to accept that help with a good conscience, it's, it's not as bad as, you know, some people might fear. for people with disability and, and, and that helps. So 
I think it's it's really nitty gritty. Somebody like me don't need sympathy. All we need is some a way to make things easier for us to live in a community that's not designed for somebody like me. For example, when I go home to St. Vincent, you know, in the United Kingdom, I got a vehicle. It sits out there on my drive, and I can, you know, be in the. I can just get in it and go where I want to go. And when I go home to St. Vincent, it's a, it's not that easy. I don't have my own vehicle, and vehicles are not that easy to come by. And it's nobody's fault. It's just the way things are. So. You know, and it makes such a big difference to me that I can go shopping, I can go watch sport in La- in London. I live in the Midlands. It's three and a half hours to London in a car, you know, and three and a half hours back. So you you need a reliable vehicle. So it's, it's those little things that, well, I say little things. These adapted vehicles are not cheap. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that can make somebody's, you know, like me, life a bit more. Easier. Um, there any family members up there with you in England? Yeah, my wife is up there. Remember, back in 1990, mm-hmm. I got married to an English lady. Right, right. So, yeah, she's up there. My daughter is up there. We have 28-year-old daughter, Jessica. She's there. Um, and my wife's family is there. Um, my, I have some... But the children in St. Vincent, they're big men now. They, they're making, making me a grandpapa. Okay. <laughs> I have a son living in the United States. And yeah, so like I say, my brother lives in the United States, uh, Canada. I have a sister in Canada. And I have a sister living in St. Vincent. Mm. My elder, one of my older brothers, Kenrick Whittle Davis, he's known as the walking pacer, an umpire. Down there, sir, and Roger Davis, I think, is involved in the St. Vincent Grenadines Cricket Association. So yeah, yeah, I, you know, I, my mom passed away in 2009, and that was the last time I went home. I went home for the funeral. Went home for the funeral. Yeah. So I haven't been back there since 2009. Vincent, how how's how's your wife and and daughter taking it? Boy, that was one of the how could I put it, missed opportunities. Mm. Um, well, because I was the one who was injured, and the focus was on Winston. My daughter was only five, so she's born as grew up seeing her dad you know, using a wheelchair. So. But my wife, she was really affected, but it went unnoticed. Anyway, yeah, she... She's bounced back. She's still working. She walked to the bank up here. So she, she, had, she had some problems with dealing with stress, but having to look at her, see, see her husband in this con- condition. But I think generally she is, you know, she, she's been wonderful. I mean, it's very good for this, and it really feels so good to be able to go to Kensington Noble and do cricket commentaries. You know, I missed it immensely. And a situation where in the first game, Barbados uh, played against the Leewards, 
and uh, the Barbados won the game. Of course, there were wins for the Ghana side and Trinidad and Tobago into the second round. And it's a situation where the Barbados team, of course, Dr. Ford has got information on the other games, but I can tell the game that he did commentaries on today. What a performance by the Jamaica Scorpions. Yes, things have not gone well for them in recent times. 299 for three. John Campbell making a statement. I thought he batted very well. Watched by uh, the lead selector, who, by the way, his birthday is today, Desmond Leo Haynes, the Honorable Desmond Haynes, 123, Palmer, 76, 299 for three. The Barbados side looked very ordinary today, in my view. The bowling was flat as a Bajan pancake. And, you know, I, I, I always feel, I know I get criticism for it. Bradford is good when you're 51 for three. But I'll tell you this, if it's 160 without loss, I don't see a plan. I don't see a plan from Rathwit. And I saw that again today. Barbados dropped a couple of catches. And although they won against the Hurricanes, you know, we don't like to analyze success because in success there's also failure. And Barbados, I thought, in the end, a lot of character to be 128 for six, chasing 195. You've got to give uh, character if he batted very well. But it showed today uh, that there are certainly some cracks in the Barbados team and we had a situation where the Jamaicans did very well and Campbell was top of the stack. He was dropped by Springer at the third superior. Um, Bonner made 49. The captain of the Barbados team, a simple catch, I would have taken it. Uh, my technical director, Larry Mills, would have taken it. He hadn't scored as yet. The score should be 78 for three. And late in the afternoon with young Simmons bowling, another drop catch by Carter. And Barbados have got to do a lot better in terms of the catching. I was not impressed at all. So 299 for three, Campbell 123, Palmer 76, advantage to Jamaica at the end of the first day's play. I know that Dr. Ford, I've got some information quickly on the, on the, the two games. Doc, let's go to you. And then, of course, we're going to be having our special guest. Doc. Hi, good night. Good night, Andrew and Philo and to all the listeners. Uh, are the two games, the uh, Leeward versus Ghana, and the Leewards are, are already somewhat in control. Ghana was bowled out for paltry 116, with Bramble getting 38, and Paul 20. Unfortunately, Hetmeyer didn't bother the scores, and in that innings, Archibald got 3 for 29, Doram 3 for 16, and Joseph 2 for 26. Joseph continues to do quite well. The Leewards are already 126 without loss, with Moxon Hodge on 51 not out and Powell 55 not out. And you know Powell is also in the running for, for an opening spot uh, perennially. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago versus the Windward. Trinidad made a, a steady start to win 17 for five. Uh, Salvano 66, Correa 72. And Joshua De Silva uh, responding to the Dorish's uh, half century uh, last week with 52 not out. Uh, Sherman Lewis, 3 for 24 thus far. John, 1 for 41. And Denver, 1 for 55. Andrew, I'll just ask you two quick questions after that. Uh, number one, what was the surface like compared to the last match? And number two, um, I, I know you, you were looking at the, at the batting and, and how good is the Jamaican batting? Well, the surface was completely different from the surface that was used for the Leewards game. It had a lot more, in my view, for the bowlers. This really is a very flat pitch. And the, uh, the Barbados bowler was shown up today. There's no doubt about that. Um, well, Shamar Holder did, didn't play. 
And when we look at the bowling, I, I thought the bowling was just there, thereabouts, really. Warkan was good. I thought Springer, um, 16 hours, 4 minutes, 1 for 44. Bowl well enough to have picked up a couple more wickets, but it was a good a batting pitch for the Jamaicans. They won the toss, and it was also a bit dry, so I, they don't want to bat last. And we're not surprised at all by their decision to win the toss and bat first, and you must compliment them. Um, so that was very, very good indeed. You asked about the Jamaican batting. Lug, well, we've seen him in Barbados. Uh, well, let's start with Lug. Um, 39, we've seen him in Barbados playing local cricket. I thought Bonner batted well. He tends to be a little bit lazy at the start of his end. He really should have been caught before he scored. Uh, left arm off that spin work and bowling to him. He popped the ball uh, to the, the extra cover area, but didn't pop it really. Uh, hit it a little bit more, a little bit harder, and the fielder at the cover area should have taken the catch. He batted well, I thought, um, 117 balls. You know, he really came back from India on Sunday, and I'm told that they were instructed themselves and books to play um, because, you know, that team is going to be selected very, very soon. In terms of Campbell, he made a statement. No doubt about it. You could see that he, he wants to get back into the West Indies side, and that performance from Campbell was good, watched by Desmond Haynes, and I think you have to compliment him for the way he batted today. Palmer, I thought, batted as well. So in answer to your question, a flat pitch, and Jamaicans, I thought, batted well, Doc. All right. Uh, I, was, I, I know you mentioned Bonner. Uh, I was listening to the commentary, which I must compliment you and the rest of the team. Excellent commentary. Um, you know, interesting, the interviews also, uh, giving a lot of information to the listeners and also the, the banter that, that goes on. But I, I heard you mention Bonner was, was on the pitch just around 49, and I, I had to go off to do a clinic and miss the rest of the commentary, and I realized he didn't, he didn't add. Has he been... Has he been okay, or was there any well, word that something? Well, well, in fact, the, the, the medical staff came onto the field on one occasion. And, and that's a good question you're asking, Doc, because after that, he didn't look himself. And then there was a lapse in concentration, and he was caught by Warkin, and the slips off, Carter for 49. So let's hope he's okay. Um, look to be winded. Um, I, I really don't know what the medical situation is with him, um, but he's going to be important, of course, when uh, the English come very, very soon. You know, people talk. But in, what, three weeks' time, that, that test series is going to be starting. And it's good to see Bonner get among the runs. Brooks is in the Barbados side as well. And when Barbados bat, the new ball is due. I expect them to take that very um, early in the morning. We would want to see Shaman Brooks as well. So clearly, Doc, day one certainly be, belong to the Jamaicans. And the scoreboard tells the story, 299 for three. Well, Lee Campbell has always looked for short. Uh, he, he deals very with a short ball. And, you know, even in his test career thus far, he always mm. looks good until he gets out and looks a bit looser. <laughs> then he looks more compact. Does he look more compact? Yes, yes he did. He did. Yeah, I think, I think you, you saw a man batting to get back into the West Indies side. You know, at the start, you had Harden, you had Simmons. He was very careful. And then as things got easier, um, you know, um, he batted well. And in fact, got to his 100 with, with, a, with a six or four and then a short ball, and he pulled it. So in three shots, he, he went to his 100. I thought he batted very, very well. And the 123, I think, would have impressed and the lead selected, the Honorable Desmond Leo Haynes. Yeah, the, the old Campbell would probably have got a bit loose yes. in the celebration after the 100, but he looks like he's out to make a big statement. And what about the young Bajan uh, basketballers, the new generation of basketballers Simmons, Simmons looks uh, good. Look? Simmons looks good. I, I like him. A left arm, um, small man, 
and in terms of pace, he looks as if, as if he can get quicker. I, I, I was impressed with him against the Leewards. Um, it was a little bit short, but of course, this is his second match. But I think he's one you can keep your eyes on. I like him. I thought that uh, Brassett missed a trick just after the break. You know, you know I, I think I, I'm not big on Brassett as a captain, as you know that. Because as I said earlier, 50, 51 for three, good. But when it comes to a 160 without loss, you know, I want to see a captain sinking the game. I want to see a captain cover, cover mid-off, having a plan, feelers all over the place, backward point. And Jamaica were able to get away, in my view, in addition to a, a flat pitch, because in my view of, of some pretty ordinary captaincy. You know, I've said it before, people get very upset with me. But one of the problems I find is that we don't have captains in the region that are tactically astute. And Braffitt, certainly, in my view, has never been tactically astute. But getting back to Simmons, good bowler, um, young man, and I think he's won certainly for the future. Sam Holder getting his first, uh, I think this is his first match, if I'm not mistaken. Am I correct? Well, no, well, 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 of course, you know, he um, went and, and, and certainly got himself involved in the Leewards. Coming back like Kyle Mears and playing for Barbados, uh, you mean first match for the season? Yes, because he didn't play in the first yeah. game. Got into the side because of the injury. Um, to Shamal Holder, got his opportunity, and it wasn't good at all, actually. 12 overs, none for 54. In fact, his first three or four overs, he looked nervous and bowled a lot of long hops and full tosses. But day two is going to be of great importance, and we see what um, will happen on, on day um, two, two ninety nine for three. Clearly an advantage to the Scorpions, and they will want to push on. Yeah, definitely. All right, good. I don't have Philo anything to... Yes. Philo? I mean... Mm. Hi, good evening. How are you, fellow? I'm very well. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, obviously, to all the people in Barbados, Sherman Hart, those people at Best of Santos who continues to pour out those results that Dr. Ford is smiling gleefully about. Uh, the government of Barbados is going to restrict, it's going to drop the restrictions as well, Andrew. I was watching the game, Andrew. Uh, obviously, we were streaming. And it was really encouraging. To, 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 in the first game, I thought that Barbados got out of the, got out of the woods. Uh, John Carter batted well, as you said. But when you look at Barbados cricket, Andrew, I, I still think that Barbados cricket is patchy. Mm. I'm, I'm not seeing that smooth type of cricket that we're accustomed to seeing. And they get a lot of preparation. Uh, and BTS spends lots of money on practicing and trial matches. And these guys are well drilled and they've been playing together for a little while. Uh, and I thought the first pitch was a good cricket pitch. Obviously, Andrew, with the next game starting on a Tuesday, there isn't a lot of preparation that could have gone into the second pitch. And what I don't understand is that if you're having two first-class games at the same venue, on the same square, why not put down a mat? I know in England they have a mat mm-hmm. next to, next to the, the pitch that they will use maybe for the first-class game or maybe a test match. But I didn't see that in the first game. So that pitch looks, look, look, as you said, dry. Jamaica made the right call. And you have to commend John Campbell. When the opening batsman starts to bat in on day one at 10, and he comes off at day one, at minutes just after four, not out, he's done a fantastic job. He's batted the entire day one, we'll say. And obviously, it's good to see John Campbell showing some maturity, sometimes getting, getting a drop, can work against you, mm. can work for you or against you. Obviously, he's, he's taken it. He's he went back to the drawing board, you must say, and, and work at his game. He looks technically correct. He looks tight in defense. Uh, he's very assertive of what he, when he wants to play the attacking mm. shot. 
I think also providing for that duration of time, Andrew, is running between the wickets. Like good, so that means his fitness level is, is top notch. Uh, and I and I thought that obviously he 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 hold that Jamaica batting together. Palmer came in and a bit of nice breezy and into, and it's refreshing to see the Jamaicans doing well because we interview a lot of people from Jamaica and they say there's no cricket in Jamaica mm. and to have Jamaica doing well in this game. I think it's commendable. We know uh, Bonner will always be, you know, Bonner, very cool and calm. Uh, but obviously, Barbados needs to be a, a lot sharper tomorrow. Uh, they're staring down the barrel. When, when you only get three wickets on day one on a flat pitch, mm-hmm. uh, you're looking, to, uh, it's going to be t- difficult. You know? So it's going to be hard work. Uh, the bowlers look, I, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, it's hard to assess Barbados bowlers. They're young. Uh, they, there isn't really a, a true lead of, of, of the attack. Uh, I don't understand why Roach is not playing this game. Uh, Shamar Brooks and Bonner have been advised to play. I don't know why why Roach is not playing. Uh, so now we see the importance of, mm-hmm. of having a, a senior bowler mm-hmm. in that attack. But obviously they have a lot of work to do, Andrew. And mm-hmm. I like you, you know, I, I think that Craig Braffitt, to me sometimes, he just allows the game to dribble. Mm-hmm. And when he, when he starts the ball, Andrew, I get very depressed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Phil, interesting. All right. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to speak to the Secretary of Weeper, who is on the line. Of course, we're talking about our very good, very good friend, Wayne Lewis. We're very happy about the performance of the Scorpions. But we're going to take this break. When we come back, we'll go to him. Mason and Guest Broughton Association with a very good Mason and Guest. Wayne? Hello, I'm the one. Okay, good. Okay, how are you doing? I am doing well, and just want to say hello to all your your co-presenters, if you're called that, and of course, want to wish you all the best for 2021, Dan. Right, wonderful. But before we get into the meat of the matter, what a good performance by Jamaica today, um, 2.99 for three. That must uh, make you happy. Well, I am, I, I am, I, I just want to see good cricket in, in the West Indies, and I've had one discussion with um, John Campbell prior to the start of the first class season where, you know, I asked him, you know, what are his plans? Is he thinking about getting back into the West Indies team like yesterday? And he seems very committed and very motivated that he wants to get back in and he's working assiduously to do that. So the fact that he has batted for an entire day and, you know, I agree with Philo Wallace. I don't know. I'm not certain that Philo has ever done that. But that's a fantastic <laughs> <laughs> No, in the way you feel about it, I can't imagine that you're back for the entire day. Had he done that, I'm sure you would have scored maybe a triple century in that particular day. So <laughs> the fact that he has party for the entire day is very commendable. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. And two ninety nine for two. I have about fourteen for a class engines that you don't get one came in two hours. Right. The record. But I don't think the other thirteen came in two hours. You're gonna long to get a hundred and I think I'm at some some time long, but I, I think that Campbell has done well. I mean, as a former first-class cricketer and a batsman, you know it's always good to start the day. I, I finish the day still with the pads on, looking to come back the next day. And the most honourable Desmond here told me, it's always good to come back the next day and ask, ask uh, what, what which role to use. Mm. So it's good that Campbell can come back tomorrow and he's captain. And say, look, I want the light, I want the heavy, I want the medium-sized roller. So I'm happy for him and it's good to see him doing that. And I hope that he can kick on from here. It's not to just a one-night stand. Mm. In, wonderful. Now, Wayne, you're the sex of Weeper. There's been a lot of talk recently 
Um, I, I, I broke a story a couple of weeks ago about the fact that um, it appeared as if the relationship um, between, you know, the captain Pollard and Odin Smith was not the best. And after the victory, there was a lot of talk across the, uh, the Caribbean about it. In fact, um, I was called um, an empty vessel. And, well, I, I believe it was referred to me. And, you know, um, people who are mischief makers. And uh, as a result, there's been a, a lot of talk. There's no question about it. Um, I, I, I note with interest that you did a press statement. So can you bring us up to there? What is going on? Is there victimization? Uh, and explain to the people of the Caribbean exactly what's going on. Uh, thanks for, for the question, um, Andrew, and thanks for having me. First, let me just make a statement before I go into that. I have been the Secretary of Reaper since, I think, 2013. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the best period of, you know, um, collaborative effort between Cricket West Indies and Weaver. Um, in Weaver and I, we have met with the President, Mr. Scarrett, when we wanted to get some understanding as to exactly how the fitness um, um, protocol is conducted and exactly what it means when a player gets... Uh, uh, um, you know, is allowed to play and is not fully fit, you know, and so on. So we have had that discussion with, with the president. I've had many, we've and I, multiple meetings with Dr. Shallow, Jimmy Adams, and, and, and Johnny Grave. We have had tremendous amount of meetings, hours. We have shouted. We have, we have had differences and all of that, acrimonious sometimes, but it has never been personal. And mm-hmm. we have never come forward with anything. I mean, we have achieved a lot. Um, during those periods, and the respect has always been, you know, top-notch, and we have never had any incidents where we think that we need to go to the public. But there is no motivation on the side of Weeper to be involved or be involved in any controversial situations because the players don't benefit. You know, it just destabilizes the entire cricket in the region, and it's a major distraction, and we are not a part of that, right? So when persons are out here saying that, you know, cricket Weeper is behind all of this, that is just very disappointed. And even you, Andrew, mm-hmm. during this whole situation, you have invited me on your program on multiple occasions, and I have never, ever accepted your invitation. I've declined everyone, simply because I think it was important for us to conclude our meetings with Cricket Westings before we may come out and make any kind of pronouncements or any situations surrounding, you know, what transpired or what is being out there in the public domain, in the public domain. And therefore, it was important for us not to do that. Now I'm on the program today. We have had two meetings with Cricket West Indies, and I think we have one set for this Friday to conclude on all our discussions throughout. So therefore, I just want to put that out there, that whatever is said in the public domain, that has nothing to do with uh, Weeper. We have never, ever made a... I mean, the president of Cricket West Indies has come out and made a statement. Johnny Grave, the, 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 um, the, the CEO of Cricket West Indies, has spoken. Um, the coach... Um, Simmons has spoken, the captain has spoken, Weeper has not said anything until today. So I just want to put that out there. Mm. Why was there need recently to issue a press release which talks about victimization? You mean, you mean with Weeper? Yeah, yeah Weeper, we, we, you had a press release about two or three weeks ago. Well, it, it wasn't a press release, really. It was a, a release to our membership right. to advise them as to what is happening. We didn't go in details with anything, really. We just want to let them know that listen, we have got some complaints and we are dealing with them, with Cricket West Indies, the hierarchy of Cricket West Indies. That basically was it. It wasn't a press release. 
Mm. So a release sent to all membership. Or it got into the public domain, I, I, I really don't know. Oh, oh you, so, 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 so you're saying it was leaked then, possibly? I'm not going to use the word leaked, leaked. but it mm. got into the public domain, but mm. it didn't come from, from Weaver, that's all I'm saying. I see. All right. What are the challenges that you would want to share with our listeners? Well, I still have to be careful because some of the complainants, they are still very nervous. They are very concerned about their future. Mm. They came to Cricket Western, um, to Weeper, for their complaints. And therefore, we have taken note of all the complaints. And therefore, we have elevated the matter. It came from our player development managers. Some of the players really wanted to stay there. We have asked Cricket Western that to have an independent investigation to someone outside of Cricket Western to talk to the complainants. Um, Cricket Western is pushing away from that. They are thinking that, you know, based on the MOU that we have with, 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 with Cricket Western is that we can meet, that we can, you know, mm. tackle our matters at that level. They said that I've had discussions with the senior, the hierarchy of Cricket Western is to say, remind them of the, 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 the code of conduct, remind them of the MOU between us and them, and mm. to say that, you know, the expectations are why, and therefore they have had that level of discussion. Our players are saying that they want to talk to somebody independently because they think that should they come and talk to Cricket Western, they, they are fearful of, you know, any curtailing of their, their, their career. And obviously, they want to play for the West Indies, and they are very fearful of that. So, therefore, we are trying to manage all of that. Mm. Just before Dr. Ford and Philo, uh, they, they, they come in to speak, um, Odin Smith recently, in an interview, um, because he was the focal point, he said he doesn't have a problem, there's, any, there's no victimization. Um, how do you respond to that? Because he was a focal man. Personally, I think that there was a good question. But at the same time, I don't know. You can meet me in the middle. It might be an unfair question. Because I can't imagine that if a youngster at the embryonic stage of his career, mm. and you don't ask him at such a controversial situation, and you're going to ask him to comment on it. I can't imagine that you'll have the gumption to say, okay, yes, these are the problems. And then he has to walk back into the dressing room to face his, his, his teammates. I don't know that you'd want to to speak on that and therefore he has his agent he has weeper to, to represent him and therefore i thought that he handled the, the, the question quite well but mm. personally for me when i was watching the game at the start and when um the captain announced during the interview um the, the pre-game interview right the post after the toss when he was you know advising everyone of the playing 11 and he said it was out i immediately called to me and who actually was at the airport. He had just flown into Barbados. And mm-hmm. immediately I said, I don't understand, based on what happened in the first two games, where he only bowled four overs or four runs, and then he didn't bowl in the second over, and in the third, sorry, in the second game, and then the third game he was out. So I thought that was unfair at the time, not knowing anything. And I called him immediately. I said, oh, can this be? Oh, can a player bowl one over and four runs, didn't bowl in the second game, and in the third game he's out. I, I need some explanation here. And... Jimmy Adams couldn't speak on it because he was at the airport. He didn't know exactly what happened. And that's where it started in terms of, I thought something was wrong from there. And I'd like some explanation. Till this day, we have not heard any type of explanation as to exactly what happened. Why a youngster would bowl one over in one game, didn't bowl in the second game and the third game. Result. I thought that was, that, was, that was a little off. And therefore, I, you know, I wanted some explanation. That, that's basically from my end. But there were complaints. So weeper about things that happened and therefore they were shunned because they were very unhappy and very unhappy. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So so what would be the nature of these complaints? 
Well, without calling any names, the complaints were that, um, you know, player um, members within the, the cricket wrestling setup were calling franchises overseas and advising them that particular players would not be given a, um, a, a NOC to play. And we thought that was odd because there's an MOU exactly, and mm-hmm. that, that a protocol that covers that, that, that did not include anyone from that in that area. Um, there were situations where players were told that they should are encouraged to change their, their agent to go with an agent of their choice. And they were resisting that because they had their own agent already. Mm-hmm. So that made them a little uncomfortable as well. And therefore, these issues, we thought that they needed to be addressed. And, and then we did the proper thing by trying to talk to Chris Preston to the bottom of it. Mm. Interesting. Um, Doc, any reaction to all this? I know that you and Phil would have questions. Over to you, Doc. Uh, well, I, it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, we did mention some of the, the processes uh, you know, and what we saw as it related to selection and also the fact that this is a, a young rebuilding team with a lot of, you know, a lot of promise. And it was also coming with the IPL draft just maybe just two weeks away. So I think there was a lot of pressure and, and everyone was was on tender hooks wondering if they could get a, a contract. So So the players would have been under stress and and wondering, so having these concerns at that time would have been very difficult uh, for the players. So I could understand why we had that that need to to have a meeting, which didn't materialize during the during the series. Uh, Wayne, what what was the reason for the meeting not being held during the series? Was it thought that it was a distraction, or was it because logistically we we had heard of a meeting to be held before the the end of the series, why, why, why the delay? Was that a weaker thing or was that a cricket West Indies uh, thing? Well, that's 100% a cricket West Indies because we were the ones who asked for the meeting, an urgent meeting. That letter was sent by Waverline, our president and CEO, and they had agreed. And we have, we have set a date and we agreed on the date and the, the Zoom link was set up and everything. And then even before, we, we got uh, an email from the director of cricket said that, you know, they didn't explain really. They said that, think it's best to have the meeting at the conclusion of the of the, the series. Maybe in their wisdom they think that that would have been a distraction and on that basis they have asked, well they suggested, they already didn't suggest, they just tell us that the meeting they held, you know, early in the following week and that was that was basically it. Okay, well the nature of the concerns of the players meant that it was it was something that required uh, some urgent attention. What, what was your, you know, best scenario for having that meeting and and resolving the the concerns of the players uh, initially when when you were to have a meeting with portion of your the, the first maybe five seconds of your question I lost it. okay I was saying okay you wanted to have an urgent meeting what was it that you hoped to achieve during that meeting and what what process did you did you plan on implementing to to resolve it by having that meeting that, that, was a, that was a very good question. Thanks for asking that. Uh, well, we wanted we wanted protection. Um, his 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 agent and that player thinks that he's been victimized or he's not been selected and he thinks that maybe he lost he lost the first part of your of your reply. Wait, uh, sorry, not wait. Okay, let me try. 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 Let
I heard you. Let me try again. Are you hearing me now? Yeah, we're hearing you. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was, I'm saying that um, we, we wanted to offer protection to our members. And the players were very uncomfortable and, uh, about what was transpiring. We wanted to give them some protection. So we wanted a meeting. We wanted to get to the bottom of it and to investigate whether the fact that particular players refused to change their agent, if that was affecting you know, the, the negatively their possible selection in the team. We wanted to know if that had anything to do with anything. We've also got complaints that a particular player was coerced into changing his agent. He eventually did. Now he's in a position where he has to be paying two agents, agent commission to two different commissions, two different agents, simply because it was a violation of whatever agreement the player had with the first agent. And therefore he found himself in a position paying two agents. And that was very disappointing. And we just wanted an investigation. We didn't want blood. We just wanted it to stop if it was happening. And we wanted an investigation so that the players can be protected and can play at the optimum level without looking over their shoulders. And therefore, we thought it was important. Well, I, I wanted to get into the into the uh, agent uh, area, uh, but you mentioned investigation. Uh, in your two meetings, has a framework been set up for an investigation uh, thus far? No, not yet. There's some resistance. Quickie Western is in there with some things that, mm. you know, they need more information because one of the, the problems, well, I don't know if it's a problem, I understand fully why the players might want to take that route. They want protection. They are, they, they are very fearful, and they are saying that if they are going to speak to an independent person, then they, by all means, they'll speak to the person they didn't want to, and they don't want to speak directly to Quickie Western. So we weren't at liberty to actually name the player. And so Quickie Western is saying that they need more information for them to have a better understanding of the entire situation so that they can move forward. And that's where we are at the moment. There's some good coming out of it. Because out of this now, it means that there's no agreement really between the player's agent and cricket wrestling. There's no relationship really. And that is why maybe um, the agent came to Weeper Because there's no understanding. There's no agreement now where all the agents representing all these players will be registered with cricket wrestling. So they can be a channel open where they can of the necessary discussion whenever they need to. Well, well, explain to us, we know that when a player gets a contract, uh, maybe a fifth of that gets paid to the parent board. Um, there's a talk of uh, some, you know, the, the local uh, clubs maybe wanting something from that IPL contract, which I don't think has materialized. But explain to us the relationship between a player and their agent as far as it relates to the financial part of it, just a, just a rough idea of what happens between the player and his agent. Honestly, that's not a question that I can answer because I, my answer is I don't know. I don't know what arrangements the players have. They don't discuss these things with um, Weaver, right? These are um, arrangements and agreements between the player and the agent. We really are not, we're not an agency. We don't get involved in that. As it relates to cricket wrestling, is our issues with our members, then yes. We will represent them, and that's what we did. The agents came to us, some of the agents. Agents came to us, and then we elevated the situation. As it relates to player, I mean, clubs benefiting from, um, you know, them playing in, in, in like the IPL and so on. Yes, that is in place. That was set up by DSM Cameron. And clubs are benefiting from it. I know Kensington has. Other clubs have benefited from a percentage. It is not paid by the agent. It is paid by the franchise. Like, for example, the, I, the, 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 um, the, the IPL. They pay money directly to Cricket West Indies. Cricket West Indies takes a percentage, and the rest filters down, all the way down to the club. So, yes, there is that um, um, 
mechanism in place, and it, I, I don't know how efficient it is, but it is in place. And I know, for example, that Kensington has benefited from, from that. One last, one last question before I let Philo come in, and this is the same question I asked last week, which, which resulted in an unusual uh, and, you know, very fiery response. Is, is there really a benefit from being involved with a particular agent that you can think of? For the agent? If you mentioned that some a player may have been uh, some players may have been asked that maybe they should change their agents and and the player being conflicted having two agents, but I'm asking you, can you see a benefit of being attached to a specific agent versus another? <laughs> when I was playing first class cricket, we didn't have agents. I've never had to deal with an agent. Um, mm. I would imagine that the agent would look out for the player. He would, for example, he would take care of all the documentation. So, for example, they want to play in the IPL, or they want to play in the Pakistan League, or whatever league in the world. The agent would do a lot of the groundwork to ensure that the application is in, it's in a timely manner, the documents are filled out properly, everything is in place for a draw. For example, they represent the players around the world in trying to get them jobs, a jig outside of maybe in their own region. Even they would maybe negotiate with even the CPL. I really don't know exactly what the terms of reference are as it relates to that, but I would imagine those are some of the things that agents would do. So there has to be some benefit because if I'm a youngster, I'm Odyssey, I really don't know how I'm going to get into the whole system of policy or I get into the job in the IPL. The agents would do all of that type of work for him to mm. ensure that everything is right and it's done mm. in a timely manner, I would imagine. And of course, it comes with a fee. I'm, I'm told that it can go up as far as 20%. 15%, 10%, depends on what is negotiated. And with that now, the player basically, you know, will get a lot of work outside of that. For example, commercials, or, you know, appearances, whatever it takes. You know, the agent would, would do stuff like that for the player. So he just has to concentrate on owning his skills and, and performing as, as his optimum to ensure that his stakes would go up so that he can be negotiated in terms of more money for him. So I, I, I would imagine those are the things that an agent would do. Hello. Thanks, Andrew. I just want to say, Andrew, uh, as well, congratulations to the 17 uh, West Indian players who've been uh, who've been all awarded contracts with the various IPL franchises for 20. Now, Wayne, you, you said that VIPA don't really get involved with the players and their agents, but these players fall under VIPA, not so? Absolutely. And I, I, I just relate to, to cricket West Indies. Anything to do with cricket West Indies. West Indies. Once West Indies right. cricket people represent right. these players. Everything right. outside of that, the agent deals with. Right. There's, no agreement, any, any, there's no agreement between WIPA and any player outside of the jurisdiction of Western Pacific. But don't you think it is prudent that WIPA should have dialogue with these agents just in case? Because if the agents dump them, they're going to fall back into, into, into WIPA's hands. And WIPA, I believe there should be some kind of just getting to know them, understanding what their rules are for these players who are under this reaper umbrella within the West Indies. Because they leave reaper, they leave the, the umbrella of reaper when they go to the IPL and the PSL and the, and the Bank of the Premier League. But when they come back, they still have to come back under your umbrella. And I believe that right. there should be a, a, a dialogue between them. And another thing too, there were some problems obviously that were highlighted with this, this funny business of victimization want to know if it is going to be streamlined and how soon, if there's a time frame, 
streamlining these kind of things because these are things that can undermine the development of these young cricketers and hurt West Indies cricket going forward. But it's very difficult to, to, to identify um, victimization because, I mean, for example, Odin Smith, we think that that was funny the way he was treated in those first three games. And we ask questions. It's very difficult to prove victimization because the yes. could always come and say, we're trying something else, we're feeling we wanted to try some money, whatever their plans are as it relates to. So it's a very difficult thing to, 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 to identify and to prove, right? Secondly, as it relates to the players, agency. And therefore, if outside, that's the agreement we have. We have no, we cannot take the phone and call the IPL. And the BCC said, we want to talk to you about Odin Smith because we don't like the idea that he was only signed for 800000 We think he should get $2 million. We don't have that. They'll say, who is this? And they're lying on the phone because there's no agreement in place with us and any of those um, entities. So they have an agent, and the agent would do that for them. And we don't want to overreach. It's something maybe we could discuss, but I can't see it going too far because, as I said, they have a right to have their own agent to look after their affairs outside of the jurisdiction of um, jurisdiction of jurisdiction, sorry, of um, of, of Western cricket. But are you? But, but we are happy then with what is going on within the whole this whole process of, of trying to get to the bottom of it and, and making our cricket struggle with these new found the new found generation of West Indies cricket because seventeen players have just been contracted at different franchises. That is a West Indies squad. So are we are happy to move forward with the position that it is now, obviously, to get better? Well, I just want to say first thing, the 17 players is the most by any nation outside of India, of course. I think Australia, yes. England, and, and New Zealand, mm-hmm. one of those places, so they have like 10. We have the, by far the most. I'm so happy about that. I'm so proud that everyone to see West Indies shining out there like that. As it relates to your question about whether we are happy, I mean, you know, we, we, we continue to meet on a regular basis. Never before have I ever been so busy, you know, having meetings, especially Zoom meetings for two and three hours with cricket students. It never happened during the Cameron time. I don't remember ever meeting with DF Cameron, maybe once at, at um, Pegasus when we were concluding on the negotiation of our new MOU, the current MOU. It was the back end of his presidency just before the, the elections that he lost. Yes, he was in two meetings at Pegasus. That was about it. But we have had meetings with the president, a number of meetings with the, 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 the vice president, who I think is so efficient. I think he's an amazing um, individual who helps us a lot. Mm-hmm. Very easy to talk, very cooperative. So we have achieved a lot, you know, meeting and dialoguing with, with, with Dr. Shadow. You know, I'm very impressed with the way he has. Um, and this is no commercial for him. I'm just saying that, you know, us meeting with him, we find it a lot very seamless. And we have achieved a lot with him. So in terms of the cooperation and the collaborative efforts that we have had with Cricket Justinus, we are quite happy about that. Mm-hmm. As it relates to these new things coming through about mm-hmm. victimization and intimidation, we are absolutely not happy with it. And that is why we are meeting with Cricket Justinus. And we're trying to find a common ground into settling these issues so that no one is injured, but at the same time, some, something is in place, mm-hmm. concretized to ensure that if something like this happens, it never happens again. And we are still pushing, we still think opinion that to get to the bottom of this, maybe an independent investigation is the right way to go. We can't make and force cricket students to do an independent investigation. We can push and let them know that's what we want. It doesn't mean that we're going to get everything that we want, but that's what we're asking for. 
because we want to rest this matter so that we can get back on track so we can move west and switch it forward that's basically for us. Mm. Well, stay with us. We're going to take a, a commercial break and come back with you. Mason and Guest Broughton Association with our very good friends at ASAP White Rum, the best shot of the day. Yes, you're listening to Mason and Guest. You're listening to the cricket show, one that comes on every Sunday evening from 6 until 9 p.m. And we talk pure cricket. Join us, 1515-605-9850. Best we join Mason and Guest. Ben? Well, um, you're asking so many good questions. I mean, we don't know. We're scheduled to meet again on Friday. And as a matter of fact, we are meeting on Friday at 8 a.m. Jamaica time, and we're expecting to conclude, you know, our, our meeting. So that will be three meetings. And as I said before, we're pushing for that. If we speak West Indies in their wisdom, don't think that's the right thing to do, then um, we just need some, some, some assurances that the players who came forward are those players that have complained. And incidentally, other players came out after the news broke that, um, that players felt victimized. Other players came and they called the OPDM or player development managers and they registered their complaints as well. We brought those to the meeting, the second meeting that we had. We have made cricket residents um, aware that we have had other complaints mm. and therefore we're just hoping that come Friday, you know, we'll get what we're asking for. If, if we're not getting what we're asking for, we might have to agree to disagree, but we'll always try to work hard to ensure transparency and openness and the protection of all players, not only our members, all players involved in West Indies cricket, that they'll get a fair shake and therefore they'll not feel, you know, pressured in any way or be intimidated in any way or to go against their will in any way that they can concentrate and give us their best on the field so that our cricket can move forward. That's basically what we want. We don't want to destabilize West Indies cricket. We just want it to settle down so that we can get back at no matter how what is important in terms of us moving up in the rankings in all three disciplines in world cricket. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a question coming in for you. Um, um, what about the, the situation with Shane Dowridge and his eligibility to play for the West Indies? Is Weeper engaging? Well, Shane Dowridge is not a Weeper. He's not a, a member. Well, he's Weeper. not a member of Weeper. However, mm-hmm. however, I know that we have had one meeting. I, I was not part of that meeting. Waverlines represented WIPA in that meeting. There were some preliminary discussions about some months ago where you know, Waverlines was in that, in that meeting. I can't give a lot about it I, I, because it's not a member of our organization. We tend, we're not involved. We're not in a position to represent them in any way other than the fact that there was a meeting that Waverlines was a part of. And those discussions are ongoing. I see he's playing now. He made 80 at last week. He's under some pressure now. He's bringing pressure on the silver now because the silver is, I think, 50 and not out, I think. So, therefore, everyone is going to be looking over their shoulders now. There's going to be more competition there. So, that's a good thing. I'm happy to see him back and playing. But I can't speak too much about that. Um, Doc? Yes. Uh, Wayne, I, I know you talked about transparency and openness. And you had a concrete complaint from one player and then other players. Do you think it was a bit disingenuous for for the hierarchy of Cricket West Indies 
you know, represented by the president and the coach and the captain and, you know, there were some players and even commentary individuals who, who ridiculed the idea uh, that such a thing could happen. I <laughs> you tried to put me on the spot here. I, 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 oh, don't I, get into any, I don't want to get to controversy, the word. Okay, but well, well, what are you surprised? Let me answer this. I'll answer this. Hmm. The word disingenuous is a strong word. Um, I'm not going to call out the president or uh, anyone and the hierarchy of Christians to say that they are disingenuous. What I will say, I think that those remarks were a bit premature and a bit unfortunate. I, I'll go that far uh, because I'm not certain that all the information was known to everyone at the time. And uh, we didn't get a call to ask as to what was going on uh, when, those, um, when those statements were made. So I would say it's more unfortunate, and, 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 and I'll leave it there. Yes, I mean, I, I, I would hate to. Uh, I mean, being called an empty vessel is, is a pretty, uh, that, that's, that's uh, quite a, a serious, uh, you know, allegation there. But you've mentioned all the good things that have been done with people, and, and we do appreciate it, because remember the, the old days where there was a lot of friction and, and legal issues and they seem to be a fight uh, going, you know, at, at every turn. You, you now have a cordial relationship. Would, would you agree that, well, I guess you don't have to agree, but I, I think it would have been good if a statement was made to say that Cricket West Indies is, is interested in equality and uh, the, the development of young players and, and freedom and, and comfort. And of course, they will investigate any suggestion of impropriety or, or you know, being pressured. And you know, they, they will do their investigation. I would have expected a well-oiled, well-constructed uh, organization to say that uh, to get ahead of, of an issue like this. And this is how other people would handle it. But but in my, in I guess in my experience, I find that someone says something that that may be a bit uncomfortable. The, the modus operandi would be to, to attack the individual and to, to try to, to impute a motive that may not be there or, or to come up with some other uh, mode of defense that involves an attack. And, and I, I don't really think this is the prudent way to, to manage an organization that, that wants to be positive and to get ahead. Uh, and you know the, the you know that that track record uh, bothers me. And you know I hope that you have the investigation that you seek and and total closure, and that we can just get on with with the with the cricket. But I think that if well-thinking individuals, if they think of the timeline, they think of the events that have happened. I think most of us that that you know, our intellectuals can figure out what has happened and, and join the dot. Well, you have made a statement. You have asked your question, so. Mm. Yes, I, I decided to make a statement because I don't want to put you on the spot, mm. uh, Wayne, but I appreciate your candidness and the, the fact that you've given us some information, which I'm sure the public appreciates, and I we appreciate that you mm. came on the show. Wayne, would you, would you want to respond to anything that Doc said in his statement? Yes. I, I'm wondering why you didn't bowl. You should have been bowling legs in Googling. <laughs> uh, for, for, for 
the reason I see because you're trying to bowl at Google. No, not at all. Not at all. He didn't ask the question, but he made a statement. You can respond to a statement. I don't know that I need to respond to that. I mean, it is what it is. Um, mm. I can't speak for Cricket West Indies. I know that we try to be very responsible. We try to be very candid when we speak. And, and the, you know, as I said at the top of the show, I resisted and declined a number of interviews um, from you to talk right. about the issue because we weren't at that stage to talk about it. Mm. And we were trying to be very careful as to how we handle this situation because we didn't want to injure anyone. And therefore, we have to be very careful. And we're, we have gone based on the MOU, how we, these things should be dealt with. And we are going through it, the process. And um, we've asked for some stuff, not everything that we've asked for, we have gotten. And we have made some suggestions as to how we can strengthen, as I talked to you about the agencies, having a, 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 a channel open where the agency, the, the various agents of the players can have someone talk to a reaper and also a critical stimulus. So it can be organized with some type of protocol involved. And so there's something good coming out of it. And as I said, we don't want to injure anyone. We just want to know that the guys mm-hmm. are treated fairly, transparently. And therefore, the best team is always on the field and play in terms of getting into the team. And there's no hanky-panky going on at any stage. And the players will not feel intimidated. And they just want to improve their cricket. Because there's a lot of money out there. You're talking about $10 million, US dollars coming to 17 players in the region. That is phenomenal. And I'm so proud. I couldn't be more proud. Well, interesting comments coming from you. We, we want to thank you uh, for coming through and talking to us. Always a pleasure. Just one final question. Were you, were you surprised by the press release coming from Cricket West Indies that talked about mischief makers? Did that surprise you? Um, um, I'm going to answer you like this. Yes. When I was an opening batsman, I've played against Barbies a few times. I still would know. I tend not to leave alone the ball. I'm always trying to hit the ball. Mm. And, but I've always by Lindell Wright that I need to learn to. And Maurice Foster used to tell me that. I need to know when to leave alone the ball because sometimes those balls are a bit wide and I can allow them to go through to the wicketkeeper. This question he asked me, I've owned my skills, I've learned, and I learned to leave alone some balls. I'm going to leave alone as well. You just told me. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. Well, I want to thank you very much, Wayne, for coming through and talking to us. Always a pleasure to talk to you. All right, thanks very much indeed. We go to Dominic Warren, the commercial director. Dominic, well, you came in at the back end there. I don't think you had anything to do with the press release. Um, talking to Mr. Smith, we, we, we just leave that. And, of course, uh, I'll talk to you about the first-class season, Dominic. You've had a good start. I must say to you that I want to compliment um, uh, Cricket West Indies. The stream has been absolutely brilliant. I think um, when we look at what, David Green has done. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic the work he's done. Uh, I can speak for Barbados. I mean, I've been part of the broadcast along with some high-powered men in in Barry Wilkinson and Keith Holder and, of course, Roland Butcher. And we've also introduced, um, you know, one or two other other, um, people, Lyndon Yard. So we're quite happy with the work that we've done so far. What has been the reaction? You think it's gone so well um, in terms of the stream, Uh, Dominic? I think in terms of in terms of the uh, stream, I think the the proofs and the the results really in terms of um, the amount of people watching is more than it was in 2020 in the first few rounds there. Mm. Um, and if you consider that with the YouTube stream that back in 2020 was not 
um, going globally to in sorry it was going global including India and this current stream is uh, geoblocked to India because of broadcast deal we've got there so the stream goes to Fancode our broadcast partner there so we've got more people watching it um, even though it's not being shown on YouTube in it, in India so so that's great news we've got more people watching it for longer as well so the average viewing time has gone up so um, combination of factors I mean we we made a commitment three or four years ago now to make sure that we try and stream every single West Indies Championship game uh, just as we do with the Super 50 to make sure that people have got it as accessible and uh, and watchable wherever you are in the region in terms of free access which you can do with YouTube obviously and, and on Facebook as well mm -hmm. um, and we're seeing that so more people are following it and of course I think you know if you think about the different fan bases out there, the real core fan bases who are following their teams haven't had Red Bull cricket with the West Indies Championship in two years. Everyone's keen to see what happens. There's going to be a really fascinating test series coming up between England and West Indies where both teams have got their strengths and both teams have got some very obvious, um, you know, elements that they need to work on. So. I think the fact that the West Indies Championship is running ahead of that with two rounds and a chance for people to put their uh, their hand up for selection with, with strong performances makes it even more viewable. So, yeah, very happy with how it's gone so far. And obviously, uh, round two has just kicked off. And, of course, you, you, you're calling it the Apex Test Series, you know, and, and, you know, certainly in terms of the increased capacity, that, that's of great importance. In terms of charter, uh, you know, in relation to uh, fans from Barbados to Antigua, tell us about that, Dominic. So well, I think the the, uh, the very good news, as uh, people in Barbados will have heard, is that the government has, as, as part of the, the end of uh, a lot of the um, restrictions around COVID, has increased the capacity so Kensington Oval to 80 percent. So in fan terms, that means probably in the region of three to three and a half thousand additional fans being able to get into the stadium. Um, in terms of paid paid fans, excluding you know those sponsors and, uh, and and government tickets that we provide. Um, so that's that's great news. Day one and two were essentially sold out anyway um, under the 50% restriction. So we think that's obviously good news. Hopefully. Uh, for more fans coming in who are visiting and more fans will hopefully be able to book trips on the back of that. So we'll be announcing uh, those tickets going on sale tomorrow once we've freed up um, those seats for, for that 80% capacity. Um, and then also we're looking at, um, that we're essentially going to be creating a waiting list for a charter from Barbados to Grenada because, with uh, again, with the COVID situation, there's both limited availability of flights and limited capacity of the planes flying between the islands so getting from Barbados to Grenada is very very difficult so our plan is to try and uh, charter with um, with uh, one of the major major airlines for over 250 people to get them from Barbados to Grenada and we're also looking at possibility as well from Antigua to Barbados between the first and the second test so we're going to be sending out some communications to fans and ticket holders and uh, uh, some more communications on social media to say if people are interested and want to travel, mm -hmm. um, then they'll be able to join a waiting list for it. And hopefully we can get those laid on if we get we get the suitable amount of numbers, essentially if we can get 150, 175 plus 
those those charters should be viable. Mm-hmm. Um, Doc or Philo, any questions? Uh, Dominique, um, congratulations again on having the four-day tournament on YouTube. I mean, I, I have I have enjoyed watching it. And, you know, I, I'm sure many other people have. Uh, I guess the you know the usual question I ask you: what, What's your long-term goal to to make money from it, or is that not a part of the the whole process? I think I think realistically, not just in the West Indies, but wherever you are in the world, the 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 regional game, the county game, as it would be in England, the Sheffield Shield game, as it is in Australia, um, it is very very difficult for uh, any any rights holder to to make revenue and i think actually the key you know that's not what that part of the game is for that part of the game is there for uh the talent to come through from the local sides into the regional franchises and push for selection to the west indies and that's really the the foundation of uh, the whole model at international level uh, similar in rugby but uh, certainly in other sports but definitely in cricket where it's the international game that is the revenue generator to invest back into the next generation of cricket at all age levels. So that doesn't mean we obviously won't try and generate revenue. I mean, we, um, I mean, YouTube will never make us millions of dollars, nor will it make us hundreds of thousands of dollars. But it's a useful contribution to help go towards the cost of of streaming it, which is still, you know, it's certainly not as substantial as a as a televised game, but putting on a streamed game is still in the region of three thousand, three and a half thousand US dollars a day. Um, sorry, I might be slightly off there, but it's certainly at least a, a sorry, it's about three and a half thousand dollars a match, I should say, um, to put it on for a, for one of the four-day games, possibly a bit higher in some countries. So if you multiply that times 30, 30 match days, or um, you know, sort of, you know, five rounds and uh, three games, 15 lots of that, it gets quite a chunky US dollar sum already. So mm. as well as putting on the cost of the championship as well. So basically, you know, the way it works, we invest in the cricket. We're hoping that you're going to get valuable playing time, people competing at a higher level and pushing for selection to the West Indies. And obviously, longer term, we want to get back to having more West Indies championship cricket, more Super 50 cricket, because... As my um, colleagues, uh, like Jimmy Adams, who's just sitting uh, just over from me at the moment, will say, we need our players getting as much competitive, high-level cricket time as they can because that's how they'll develop, that's how they'll improve their decision-making, that's how they'll push for chance for selection. Um, and, you know, if you look back 20, 30 years, obviously the benefit of West Indies players was that they had time playing in the Caribbean and a lot of time playing overseas as well. And we need to try and build up their game time. So it's, it's essentially investment in cricket. Tell us about your your strategy for getting a long-term sponsor for the front of the West Indies kit. I, I understand you have yeah. a few short-term ones uh, on your tour. Uh, what's the? How are you doing with finding a long-term uh, sponsor, uh, major sponsor, and and you know, how are you going about it? Um, we go about it in a way where we work with uh, agents around the world as well as the team which I run here in the Caribbean. Um, we continually researching, calling, speaking to companies that we know, um, 
would be interested in both a Caribbean audience, a diaspora audience, and an international sports audience, particularly in cricket. And of course, that goes to India with that being the biggest market. Um, and so we're con continually we're working on that. I mean, it's a day-in-day-out piece where you are speaking to as many people as you can, putting propositions together and proposals and refining them accordingly. I mean, the, the wider situation is with marketing and, you know, I've worked both sides of the fence. I've been on the brand and marketing side, you know, agreeing sponsorships and buying sponsorships. And I've been obviously on the right shoulder side like I am now trying to get partners to come on. And the biggest issue you've got fundamentally, and this is the same in any major sport, is that when you get something like COVID hitting, um, sponsorship is the first investment that drops off anyone's marketing sheet and it's the last thing to come back because it's a long-term investment and actually it's generally one of the bigger the bigger sums on any marketing team's uh, budget. Saying that, there is a lot of interest. There's always a lot of interest in the West Indies there's, because of the story. There's a lot of West interest in that's both the historical story and the current story. Um, we've got quite a lot of interest, particularly in terms of uh, financial players and um, some technology players as well, um, and also in some other markets which are fast developing. And if you look around the world, um, there's quite a lot of new sponsors appearing. The fact of the matter is what we have to try and do is see if we can connect with a sponsor where the audience that the West Indies brings in terms of the TV audience, the stadium audience, links with theirs. The one thing we can definitely do, and this is not undervaluing us, is that we can provide a much more value for money sponsorship with some brilliant assets and rights, which if you were to get the same thing in India, Australia, England, South Africa, you'd actually pay a lot more for, because our audience is very similar but actually are, uh, you know, you get a better value because fundamentally your home audience is much smaller than it would be in, in other countries. If okay. that makes well, well, I mean, we do know, yeah, COVID has caused a lot of people to cut their, their expenditures for sponsorship, but we do know that many tech companies and others have flourished and, and, and some people have made lots of big bucks uh, during COVID. So uh, I guess, as we say in the Caribbean, you say A, you say B. But I guess the question is, you mentioned you call a lot of people, and uh, you mean contact people and, and have proposals and that sort of thing. But the question is, uh, are you having people beating down the door to you? And if not, what does that say based on your experience being in the job for, for this time period? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna come back to your first point first, and then I'll answer that question, which is, um, in terms of COVID and saying A and B, the whole global sponsorship market worldwide has declined by about 20% in the last two years. And it's only the biggest, the biggest sponsorships which have seen um, steadiness. And when I talk about that being steady, that is Olympics, FIFA World Cup, Formula One. But those are the biggest ones out there. And you can include the Premier League in that as well. I'm taking the American market out of it, but the American market has lost a lot of sponsors and they have been partly replaced by some of the tech companies. So, you know, it's, it, it, it is a very, very difficult market. And if you speak to my counterparts, I said, I used to do this. It, it, my job as a marketing director, as a sponsorship director, 
It is a buyer's market, fundamentally. And when it comes to beating down the door, I can assure you, wherever I've been, and I've worked in golf, I've worked in Formula One, I've worked in football, um, and I'm working in cricket, no one beats down the door to a sponsor because the buyer does not want to show their hands. You, you work in a way which is about proposals and propositions and refining it. And I think even, uh, you know, and I've got many close friends and colleagues who work at the likes of uh, the FA in football, in American football, Formula One teams, European Tour Golf, PGA Tour Golf. People are not beating down the door. It doesn't happen. Um, and that's not to be defensive. It's to, it's to literally tell you how, how the lie of the land is because I've said I've been both sides of the fence. Where, where, where we are, we've... What I will tell you, we've essentially doubled our sponsorship volume, our sponsorship revenues in the last three and a half years. So compared to uh, the end of 2018, we are double where we were at the end of 2018. Um, of course, we want a title sponsor. Of course, we want um, a T20 format sponsor as well. And those are pretty much the crown jewels in terms of West Indies cricket. So, and if we get those, that means we will, you know, with, with our views, if we were to get a T20 sponsor and a test uh, and a a team kit partner, the revenues would essentially be three or four hundred percent higher than they were three years ago. So, um, and bear in mind, we actually kept, held our revenues steady during COVID, which was a, you know, a pretty great job considering everything that went on. And that's before you even get into the broadcast revenues, where where we're exceeding our expectations. So, you know, we keep we keep pushing on. We keep with the conversations, and we believe that hopefully. Um, people will see the value and obviously the likes of the England series win um, creates a lot of interest. It creates a talking point, but the, the final point would be a lot of people talk about victory and being important for people to come and uh, sponsor you. Now, victory is important in terms of positive news, but actually what sponsors are looking for is to connect with an audience and connect with an audience that they can't get themselves and, and that's what they're paying for and that's what we can give with West Indies both in the Caribbean with the diaspora and around the world sorry that's a bit of a monologue but wanted to help paint the picture I see I, I, do you think Dominic that West Indies cricket as it, as it is it's, it's still that brand that sponsors want to associate with and you said that, yes, we won against England, but the sponsors are looking for a deeper type of connection. Indies have that. Mm. Can West Indies cricket bring those connections sponsors and, and market it? And, or let's get a sponsor if possible. Yeah, have the it, capability. It, it's a really, really good question, Phyllis. And, and I, I think really, uh, yes, yes, it does have it. And, it, and it's multifaceted. So you've, you've, st you've got good performances or improving performances. You've got young, talented guys and women with some really interesting stories around them as team development and as well as individuals. Mm -hmm. um, you've, you've still got what is fundamentally bucket list sport for the rest of the world who are desperate to come to the West Indies and watch cricket. Um, and, and you see that with the, the return of fans in Barbados for the T20s. Um, and if you start to look around all the periphery of that, the stories around you know, the legends of the game, the stories of how people grow up um, playing cricket, what that means, and actually the, the Caribbean culture, when you mix that in with music, food, um, tourism, it's really, really powerful. Um, at the end of the day, what a sponsor's, got a, a sponsor's questions are, 
am I going to get involved in sport? Which sport am I going to go into? Will it be cricket? If I go into cricket, where do I go in cricket? And actually, we've got a compelling story. And I would say, if you compare us to the likes of, um, you know, take away what would class the, the big three, we are a much more compelling story mm-hmm. than other than perhaps New Zealand. And, and New Zealand is actually a really good parallel for us, both in terms of cricketing governance, in terms of how they've developed their system, but also how they're commercialising themselves. Because like they've done in rugby with the All Blacks, they've got a small home market, but they've managed to develop their product um, and the spectacle to be really admired and loved. And certainly the last three or four years of their cricketing performances as they've been able to develop that. At the same time, though, they themselves are, you know, they see it as a big challenge. So it's not as if it's suddenly become uh, an oasis of revenue for them or, or lot bonsers. But, but to summarise, <clears throat> we, we've got a fantastic story. And I think one of the best things about the West Indies is from the outside, people look in and say, that, that's fantastic. We want to be a part of it. Um, but that's only really thinking about the cricket audience. And so you've always got cricket as a sport stacking up against others. So, you know, we've got positive stuff, but it's a, it's a big supermarket of sponsor, sponsorship opportunities out there. So we've got to punch hard to, to be seen and heard. Okay. Uh, Conde Riley, the president of the Barbers Cricket Association, has joined us. Uh, Conde, good evening to you, how are you, sir? Conde, is Conde with us? Just trying to see if we, we have him. Do we have Conde in the line? He seems to have gone and try again. Okay, okay. Yeah, let's, let's try and see if we, we reach Conde. Um, uh, in the meantime, yes, Doc, you, you have another Doc, question? Dominique, if you were to rank us then, as far as the revenues from sponsorship is concerned with the other cricketing nations, I, I don't know if that's done. Where do we rank? Uh, uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, what I do know is that, for example, the title sponsor, what I can do is give you some other figures. So the likes of the England shirt, uh, which I've been involved in uh, working for one of the banking brands back in the UK, sells for approximately double um, what we're selling for in a, in a market where they've got a, a cricket audience, which is probably four and a half to five times bigger in terms of cricket market. Mm. So that hopefully takes a picture for you. Um, I mean, if you look at the report, something like the Indian market, and they're selling the, the India title shirt for tens of millions of dollars. Um, when you've got a billion people, and probably half of those, half of that billion are certainly big cricket clubs. You can see the, the difference, difference between it. I think ultimately it's it's a really interesting game where you've got well it's a really interesting challenge where you've got markets like Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, South Africa, New Zealand, and the West Indies are very very different markets to India certainly, but also Australia and England. Um, and I'm sure you've talked long and hard about this about revenues coming into the game from the ICC and everything else. That's that's one of the disparities you're always going to have, but market size always works for or against you. Um, someone's a winner and someone's a loser. But at the same time, the story's strong. And I think the New Zealand example is a perfect one, which is particularly in, in rugby, um, where, you know, the All Blacks are loved around the world. The West Indies are loved and followed around the world. And slowly but surely, we're capitalising on that. 
um, and then the revenues are, are good, but we know we can we can do more, and hopefully we'll get more of that in the next few months. Okay, I think we got Conde now. Conde, good good evening to you. How are you, Conde? I'm very fine. Good. All right. Well, first of all, Conde, you must be very happy about Barbados' start to the first-class season. We also want to talk to you about the preparations in relation to England. Uh, let's first start with the fact that we've got cricket back. You must be a happy man as president of the Barbados Cricket Association at the first-class level. Yes, I am. Um, yeah, we were ready, but, you know, with the COVID-19 um, situation, we, we have to work with the government and COVID-19, the health and so on. Mm-hmm. I see. And, and things have gone well um, so far. Uh, you had a first match against the, uh, the Leewards and Barbados won. Good to see you in Dower's back, Conde. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And in terms now, Conde, of your preparation for England, how's that going? I understand 80% capacity. That must make you very happy. Absolutely. I'd like to get 100%. Mm. Do you think you may get fully a hundred fully fully vaccinated, right? And a hundred percent because the difference between eighty um, percent and so on. And then when you look at the economic impact mm-hmm. in terms of Barbadosism situation with tourism, I would love to have a hundred percent. But I will. I, I have accepted. My board and myself, 80% thing. But we work on it because I, I saw also and in a LOC meeting today mm-hmm. that minibuses are getting 100%. Oh, okay. Minibuses 100%. Right. Mm. No, no, no. We're working with it, right? Mm-hmm. With respect to COVID-19 and so on and so forth. I see. And... Um, we have accepted 80%, but then I look at the minibuses at 100%, mm-hmm. and you juxtapose that with um, what this um, English test match means to our tourism product. Right. I believe that fully vaccinated people, but we will work with that, with government, COVID-19 units, and so on. Mm-hmm. Today we had a LOC meeting and we, we are working, mm-hmm. but it's a very, it's a very, um, you know, a situation that where COVID-19 has impacted most of our decisions at, at the um, mm-hmm. um, BCA. We were ready to start and then we had to, you know, take into consideration COVID-19. Right. But we can do the work and try to do it intelligently as we can, working with the COVID-19 unit and the Ministry of Health. I see. Uh, uh, Conde, um, I've got to throw it now to Dominic. Dominic, 80%. Uh, why not 100 people are fully vaccinated? You wanted 100, of course. Dominic? You all want 100. So um, I'm on the same LOC meeting as, uh, as Conde. So... I think mm. we're all we're all pushing for that. We, we, I think, first and foremost, we these events, particularly with cricket coming back, we're all all working together in terms of the local association, in terms of BCA in this example, with the stadium and with the government as well. Right. Um, you know, you can understand the government 
perspective in terms of they want it to be uh, safe and, and have a, uh, a safe reintroduction of cricket. And I think at the same time, we're all trying to balance that because we know, especially in the case of Barbados, how many people want to come into Barbados, just mm -hmm. as they do want to come into mm -hmm. Antigua and Grenada as well. So um, I think the most important thing is we've, we've shown jointly how we could have a really safe and exciting environment for the T20 series, uh, which was fantastic to watch. Mm -hmm. um, brought that Caribbean vibe back into the stadium, which is obviously what everyone wants to come for in terms of the sound, the, the sights, the colour, the noise. Um, and hopefully, you know, as the situation continues over the next couple of weeks, you know, let, let's hope that things continue to relent and there's a, there's a lot more confidence. And, um, you know, I think Konza and I, I'm sure, will be, you know, delighted that we'll probably have in the region of at least eight to 9,000. And, you know, if it does in the last couple of weeks have the chance to go to 100%, I'm sure we'll be pushing for a full house. So, mm. so fingers crossed. I think the the best thing is we've got all the right minds pulling in the same direction because the more people that can come in, the better mm -hmm. it is for the spectacle, mm -hmm. um, the better it is for the economies, um, the better it is for people to get engaged and, and, and enjoy cricket. So um, it's exciting. So uh, uh, the organising committee, I'm not sure how much of it is, is uh, praying and how much of it is influencing, but I think a bit of both on both sides. So mm -hmm. um, you know, the closer we can get to 100%, the better in terms of the spectacle and being aware of how important it is for that to be in a safe environment for everyone as well. Mm -hmm. I see. Um, Conde, if you look locally now, when you are looking to start your local season, you haven't had it for a while. Have you had talks with government about starting cricket locally? Conde? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I want to go back to uh, a conversation earlier. Mm. Which upsets me. What is that? As director of Cricket West Indies. It has to do with this thing about mischief. Oh. And people, you know, saying that this young man who went to the Weeper and a meeting was set up. Now, I'm a, a player's president, right? And young Odin Smith went to Weeper with his agent. I want you to listen to me very carefully. Sure. I'm prepared to leave Cricket West Indies because I spoke, I wrote a letter to the president, President Skerritt. Mm -hmm. He wrote me back and he said that, you know, there's a, a, a kind of way they deal with these, these uh, matters. But we still represent our players. And this thing about mischief, when we asked for a meeting, with cricket Westerns, I wrote to the president and said, look, an ethical behavior in any form, I repeat, in any form, the board must be involved. Anyhow, the first meeting was canceled. There was another meeting. The president wrote back to me and he said to me, I will give a timely report on this matter. I want you to hear me very carefully. Sure. That meeting took place. Okay. 
It had to do with coercion, extortion. According to what my players that know about it, to me, Reaper is a union, a representative mm-hmm. of the players. Jamie Sheffley, I will resign mm-hmm. from Cricket West Indies. Right. If this matter, and I heard, I heard the Secretary Reaper talking earlier. It had nothing to do with. <laughs> it had to do. I think we've lost that corner. Um, we've lost. Mm. We're trying to get him again. Yes. Yeah, so we. we uh, trying to get that uh, caller back, um, Conley on the line again. So it's um, coming up to what, uh, 741 in the country. So we're certainly looking at uh, getting lots of people starting to come to cricket. Oh. And I'm looking forward to um, a lot of people coming to, not only Barbados, but of course you've got Antigua and you also have Grenada. Yes, Philo, you got your hand up. Yeah, I want to ask Dominic a question. Dominic, obviously with COVID, being so it's our inconsistent one would say across the region mm-hmm. would it be is it is it, is it, is it would it be it would it be prudent enough for cricket west indies to make sure that the three best venues antigua barbados and grenada have similar protocols for these test matches because you don't want to have a situation where they go to antigua for the first test match and they have protocols of x come to barbados they have y and then go to grenada and they have a West Indies trying to work across these three territories with with their uh, health ministries to make sure that they streamline similar protocols for the for the visitors when they come and locals as well. Yeah, I think I mean naturally and and logically, yeah, absolutely, that's what we want to do. And obviously, we're interconnected. Our medical teams are working with chief medical officers and ministries of health and well-being in, in in each of the. Uh, the countries that, that are hosting us and, and it, that's been the case certainly since the returns of cricket of international cricket last February in Antigua with the Sri Lanka series and, and thereafter um, also at the end of the day I suppose if, if you're looking at some of the, the data behind it each of the governments have a different situation in terms of you know population size amount of tourism um, and particularly things like vaccination and stuff like that as well and I know the vaccination rates are different and if, uh, certainly that seems to be the, the primary barometer in terms of checking uh, where um, you, you know, the state of play in each country. Ultimately what we do have just to give everyone a little bit of certainty is that in terms of the player and the event and the broadcast protocols they're all absolutely identical so when we go into each location mm-hmm. Everyone's absolutely certain. Security, medical teams uh, in each country know exactly what's going to happen, and so um, managing the risk to make sure that that cricket take place in that sort of core teams, players, officials, broadcast um, event teams is all identical, pretty much. You know, the odd small variation. It varies a little bit with the fans, but again, that is. Um, you know, with the best expertise and advice from each each government, and so we work with that. I mean, ultimately, where we are, we're going to be at 100% capacity in Grenada and and um, 
100% capacity availability in terms of Grenada and Antigua and, and Barbados is getting that way already. And, mm. and ultimately, when it comes to numbers, just by the nature of the size of those islands, Barbados will have a larger crowd anyway, um, unless we get 16,000 tourists flocking into Grenada, oh. um, which would be wonderful, by the way, because it's an amazing country and a brilliant stadium. But, you know, if if we're getting five, six, seven thousand into Grenada, we'll have done mm-hmm. brilliantly well. And, and similarly for Antigua, um, cause, because of the format of the game, not just because of, um, you know, tourism and everything else. So, yeah, good question. Fundamentally, everything's similar from a playing and event perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philo, I just wanted to turn your attention over because, of course, at the top of the program, we spoke about it. Um, the, the ODI series, Philo, disappointing for the West Indies. Very disappointed, Andrew. When I, I saw the, uh, the the batting list, the totals, no bats would score 100 runs in three teams in three fifty of a matches. Mm. And if we looked at we look back at Ireland, we were struggling against Ireland. And what what to me the trend is that we start well and we finish badly. I, I don't know if it's fitness. I don't know if it's mental. Mm-hmm. What, I don't know what it. But that is something that needs to be addressed. I also saw it in, in the press that our, our head coaches. It's asking for, for, for help with the batsmen. Mm. You have a batting consultant who's been with you for three years. Mm. And our head coach has been there for three years. So I don't know if our head coach was coaching uh, Nairobi <laughs> for three years. So don't come and say that he's, he's looking for help, that a batting needs rescuing. I, I think that these are issues that need to be, to be nailed down. We have England coming shortly for a test series. Yes, we have some batsmen scoring runs. Congratulations to them. But coming out of India, a lot of our batsmen don't have confidence. And the pitches were not bad, Andrew. No. The pitches were not bad pitches at all. I thought they were very good pitches for 50 over cricket. I expect better pitches as well for the T20s. But our 50 over cricket is, 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 has gone pear shape. We don't have a structure at the top. We have, a, we have Dan Bravo, who is, I, I, I am very, very disappointed in Dan Bravo. I, I can't believe one talented bat, batter mm. can fade away so easily. To me, I don't know if he's working really hard at his game or he's just telling himself, look, I'm just going to take these two tours and that's it. And he has faded away so badly. And, 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 and you know, it's really, it's really bamboozling. I hope Kuma was not even given an opportunity mm-hmm. in, in, in India. You know, a man who could come and solidify a, a, a situation. So these are all questions that, that have to be answered. And, and I do hope that, that we get some answers sooner rather than later. Because that ODI series in India to me was a disappointing series. Mm-hmm. It, it, didn't, it didn't do any good for all cricket. It just showed us more weaknesses mm-hmm. within, our, within, our, within our batting structure. Our batsmen seem not to be able to understand the roles that they have to play. Mm-hmm. It's 40, unbelievable. Yeah, 44-1-7-90. We've got another 20 minutes left on the show. We're going to certainly look at that. And there's been a lot of debate. In fact, in the commentaries today, people were actually talking about the whole question of John Campbell possibly getting to the side. Um, I know that, um, you know, on the stream, we were looking at who will open with, with Craig Brathwaite. Uh, so you can give us a call and, and participate and look at the ODI series. And, of course, we will be quite interested to hear from you as to who you think should very well be um, the, the man to open the batting uh, with, uh, of course, uh, our Barbados captain right now and the West Indies captain, Craig Brathwaite. That should be of great interest in these 441790. All right, I think we got a call. We do. Hello, welcome, Mason and Guest. Good evening, Mr. Mason. Good evening to you. How are you? I'm good. Good. Now, 
I have been very critical of Philo. I like give I like to give credit to people who speak. I hope you forgive me. Mm. What he said, every contribution he have made have made sense. Right? Now when the drop the other selectors, I was not impressed. Right? I have not seen, of course, Mr. Haynes. Mm-hmm. You all know his record and so on. Mm. But what about the other yeah, executives? I think it's about time that people who were involved in all cricket, that great team, mm. I'm sure those guys that um, are executives, they play cricket, mm-hmm. they know cricket. Right. It's like putting a, they need to go, all of them. I, I, I'm not talking about Mr. Hans and Mr. Sawano. The executives have to go. And, and another realm sentence for me, mm. we, have been, we have been bringing outsiders to run all cricket. And I don't like it. Mm. To me, it's insulting in the intelligence of all people. It reminds me of slave days. Ooh. And I don't care who get offended back. Mm-hmm. It's the truth. I mean, you think if it was a course in Australia, as a black man, I can get 100%. Me? Maybe others will, but not me. Mm-hmm. What I would do, I would observe the witnesses in their team and then report to my board. That's mm-hmm. what we do. Mm-hmm. We have Gordon and Greenwich, all of those guys still alive, currently ambrose, all of them. At least made them an offer. If they refuse the offer, then come back and say, we, we made them an offer. Right, I right. don't let them. Mm-hmm. Well, don't well, brush them aside. Mm-hmm. Our cricket has gone downhill and going further and further and further. And as Philo said, that's not about that, that Darren, Darren Bravo. Right. Something is wrong. Mm-hmm. We need to find out what is causing all of this, you know. Right. We talk about the problem, but we need to find out what is causing the problem. And until such time that we, have, that we do that, we are not going to go anywhere. It is sad that we come from at top, and just come to rock bottom, just so. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. P, I want to thank you for coming through and talking to us. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Enjoy the rest of your evening. 441-790, 441-790, give us a call and participate in the program. Uh, Dominique, yeah, we're going to do a commercial. Can, can we do a commercial now, a final break, and then we come back, and I want to ask a question in relation to the continuation of the uh, the first class season. Listen, the guest brought to the association with a very good friend, the ASFP worker. Yeah. If you're listening to the cricket show, join us each and every Sunday from 6 until 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Call 515-605-9850. Let's hear what Andrew has to say. He has a lot in store for us this afternoon. Yes, he says the best shot of the day. Let's see. Come on in, Andrew. All right, let's go to the telephone. Tell a welcome, Mason and guest. Good night. Good night to you. Yes, um, this ODI call that went to India. Right. Was that designated by Captain? Yes. Yes, she hope was a vice captain, but interesting enough, when Paul didn't play, we saw Poran captain decide. But that's, that, that's the 
problem and the finish with him. Mm. I think Kieran Fowler is, is the biggest problem right now. Mm. And until you get rid of Kieran Fowler from wrestling cricket, I don't think wrestling cricket can survive. You don't think so? To me, I see have all the other guys fighting. Kieran and Tim Right? And we're not going to get them there unless Fowler is run from, from Romish cricket. Kieran, mm-hmm. Bravo, mm-hmm. all the others gone. Fowler got to go. That's it. Mm, I see. Uh, short, okay. short, short and sweet. We're going to try yeah. and take a, okay. as many calls as possible. 44179. I think we got a full board already. So let's uh, uh, go and take a call. I know that uh, Ken Husband is just about to, uh, to, to send that call through. Uh, yes, 441790. Yes. Um, let me just come to Dominique now. Dominique, um, after this round of matches, we're going to stop and then when we resume. When do we resume the first class matches? Now hearing you, Dominic. Yes. Yes, we can hear you loud and clear. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be resuming in April, May. So there'll be the three concluding rounds mm. of the West Indies Championship will be in April, May. Mm. Um, and again, just the reason for that is um, obviously we want to get Red Bull cricket going again before the test series so that there was a chance for selection. But also at the same time, if you look at the amount of cricket that's been played and still the challenges of getting people between different countries in the Caribbean, it's hard to get large squads of teams in, into places and, and with the cricket and with the squares available. So, um, so we've got two rounds now and then it's going to be three rounds in April, mate. Oh, I see. Now we, now we're going to take a call, 441790 and participate in the program. Ken Husband is just, uh, just ready to put that call through. Hello, welcome, Mason, again. Hi, good night, Mason. How are you? Oh, good night okay. to you. First, is, is this our caller from Canada? I want to, that's right. Mm. First, I want to agree with you. Yes. The captains in the entire Caribbean, they're very poor. Mm. I think we're going to get some men, old captains from throughout the region, mm. sit down with these youngsters, talk to them, talk to them, Tell them what is expected of them and what it's supposed to do. Now, the real thing here, Mr. Phil Simmons, yes. he ought to be ashamed of himself Why? to come and write up this poor thing about the rest of his batting in trouble. He hired to do a job. If you cannot do it, walk away and get somebody to do it. When he takes the job, the rest of his batting had problems. Instead of he bring Korean people, look at Australia, look at Pakistan. All of those people bring the players. The great the player. We is the only body guy for outsiders. A man from all the window, nobody knows nothing about him. Mm. He fell in the ball straight off and people back. How you, anytime the ball turns a fraction, you're in trouble. I'm sorry, as long as from Jimmy Adams, as we call it, from Jimmy Adams, mm. right back down. That whole squad got to go. I think they're blight and the blight that's in this cricket. Another mm. thing, we went on to 19 tournaments. We have come higher. For no reason, we get the winery. And bring refer. Everything supposed to happen comes from gold to brass. Mm. We gotta get rid of these guys. These guys ain't carrying the further. These guys we carry our health on a bicycle without brakes. Oh dear. I haven't heard that one in a long time. I haven't heard that one in a long time. Dominique, that's good days we talk for you. We got on the hill. Right, we got on the hill on a bicycle without brakes. Down the hill. The folk with sheer speed. Down the hill. A bicycle without uh, break next speed. Sure speed. Break in next the wrong speed. direction. Yes. In the wrong direction. Mm. 
All right. Well, okay, thanks, have a good thanks night. for your contribution. Always good to hear that caller from Canada. And that's how we do it in the Caribbean, you know, Dominic. 44-1790. we got another five, ten minutes left in the show, so you can uh, give us a call and participate in the show. But, Dominic, for the benefit of our listeners, if you've got many all across the world, um, what happens after England? Uh, who do we have in the Caribbean after England? We've got, a, essentially, this year is going to be the busiest schedule yet, uh, ever, actually, for the, for the men's team in particular. So we've got three series that are going to be confirmed for the summer. We're due to play Bangladesh in all formats, then India in terms of white ball, uh, and a rescheduled New Zealand series from 2020. Um, hmm. So we've got three back-to-back series, which will happen across the summer, and we'll confirm the dates and the venues uh, in the weeks ahead. Uh, when the women's team come back, we've got a continued investment into women's cricket, so there'll be... Um, at least one, if not a couple of home series. And of course, we start to get much, a lot more of the age group um, tournaments ongoing around the region, working with all the different uh, local cricket associations. So essentially, you know, the, the, the machine of cricket, as you were, is really going to be ramping up. And, you know, it's international, going back to what we said probably half an hour or so ago, it's the international piece which is driving um, the activity because mm-hmm. that drives the revenue to funnel down into the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we were at the forefront of getting international cricket going, getting it, getting going again with the West Indies. So uh, there's lots to come, and then of course you've got the CPL, and then you've got the World Cup, and we've got away tours as well for the men. Um, so there's lots going on, but it, you know, but behind the internationals, the real mm-hmm. focus now, mm-hmm. um, as has been for the you know, the last couple of years, even with COVID, is getting into that coaching investment, getting into the age group investment. We're hopeful uh, working with a, uh, a key sponsor to get a lot more, uh, some special trials and activity going along at primary school level as well. Mm. And actually, that's that's a real focus, getting that participation going at the sort of primary school age group and then the secondary school age group. And secondary school in particular has been, has been a, a crucial gap uh, in cricket, you know, around the world, but especially here in, in the West Indies. So that's something we're really focusing on mm-hmm. talking to some sponsors about, want to hear to other sponsors about, because mm-hmm. that can be genuine sponsorship, genuine patronage to make a, essentially identify and uh, bring through the next generation of West Indies cricketers for, for boys and girls. So there's some exciting stuff going on. Hopefully that pays dividends, obviously not in 12 months or two years, but five, six, seven years down the road, mm-hmm. subject to the age groups involved. Mm. Well, Dominic, I want to thank you very much for coming through and talking to us because it's, we're, this is the end of the, the program now, um, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. You've got 30 seconds to encourage people to get involved, England versus the West Indies. Dominic? Yeah, thank you. Uh, we just want everyone to come out. We think it's going to be a really competitive uh, test series. Um, we know that a lot of fans haven't had the chance to see cricket. So in three countries, there's going to be cricket on their doorstep. And I think um, certainly for the men, it's going to be fantastic. And also not forgetting 50% um, discount for all local fans. So the, the price you see, whatever the category of ticket you want, you can get it half price as a West Indian fan. Ooh, wonderful. Um, and also not forgetting the women are often the, uh, for the World Cup in New Zealand. So we mm. want to support them and cheer them on from afar. Um, and watch them or listen to them in the middle of the night as well. Mm. Thank you, Dominic, for coming and talking to us. Enjoy the rest of your night. All right. So there you have it. Right. Well, final word with you, Philo. Um, ODI series, 
um, gone through their doors. T20s, you think we'll fare better in the T20s, Philo? Well, Andrew, I hope that we do fare better in the T20s. I hope that our captain can be a standout and really lead from the front. It's going to be difficult. We know India is a good fellow oil machine and they play uh, T20 test match at ODI as well. But we need to try and be competitive in these T20 matches, Andrew. To bring back some responsibility to our cricket. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that India has just there for three T20s and the 350 overs. And as Dominic said, they're coming back to the region. They're going to come back to the region with a full strength side, not a second string side, because you need to put up a better showing. And I think that the guys, uh, they know their value now, and I hope they know their worth for West Indies cricket and come tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And the, for the other two T20s, the three, well, the three T20s, Let's really put up a good showing. Even if we lost, Andrew, mm. let's lose chasing 180 and we get beat by one run or something. What do we get both for one? No, we don't want that. No. Let's like boyish cricket. We're big men and let us play like big <laughs> professional men who are making a good living, Andrew. Yes. They're making a fantastic living. It's the first time I've seen the West City Cricket Board but the total right. money's earned by these 17 players. Over 10 million US Yes, dollars. lots of money, fellow. Plenty. Plenty, so benefit, plenty. They're benefiting and let our cricket benefit itself. Mm. There's no reason for them to complain now, Andrew. No. Go and play the cricket and enjoy it and put in some good performances for West Indies. And let us all be proud of them when they return from, from their tours. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks to you, Dr. Ford, as well. Just to let all of the listeners know that there will be live commentary. Yes, indeed, live commentary of those T20 matches on Starcom. Yes. We're going to be starting our broadcast just before 10 o'clock. So it's going to be very interesting uh, to see how the West Indies perform. So let me tell you once again, there's going to be live commentary on Starcom, and we've put together a commentary team, and that broadcast will start about five minutes to 10 o'clock. The West Indies, of course, playing against India. It's going across the Caribbean, and we're happy to be able to bring you cricket as it happens. Let's say good evening to one fellow, Hello, um, Ken Husband is saying uh, hello to you. Have you ever met uh, Ken Husband, Philo? Hello, I've been here several times. <laughs> <laughs> I've met Ken several times. Yes. And that several is a capital S. A capital S. <laughs> Wonderful indeed. Wonderful indeed. Wonderful. But I, want, I really want to thank you very much indeed, Philo, for coming through. Thanks to you, Dr. Ford, as well. Once again, live coverage tomorrow, the T20 matches. We start our broadcast at 5 minutes to 10 o'clock. Join us then. I'm Andrew Mason. Here's hoping for Bernard. Without it, I could do nothing. Without it, I surely fail. Without it, I would be drifting like a ship. Without a sail, we leave you tonight, my friends. I would be dying. Pray wherever you are. Without you ain't to help. Enjoy the show. Pleasant. Good evening. Without it, again. Until 9 p.m. And at 7 
M. Special guest out of Australia. Hoping you can join us to hear what has to say. Wonderful evening. Join us on Sunday. God bless.